Hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. No. This is a song. I just want to say that the subtitles said, intro to to New York Minute. (laughs) (laughs) As if you would just know that. Right. As a deaf person. Right? Like, that's what I... Oh, that's a good intro. I I was thinking about that because I was like, are they just assuming that a deaf person has heard it before and then they became deaf? Yeah. It drove them to (laughs) deafness. That's the last thing they ever heard. Hello, everybody. Welcome to season two, episode 16 of Watch and Talk. This week, we watched an episode with a very too long title mm-hmm. called somebody's, somebody's going, going to emergency, to emergency. comma comma somebody's, somebody's going, going to, to jail. jail it's like you think the name of the episode is just the first part i did think. and then the second part comes on the screen and you're like but i was like but comma why is there a mm-hmm. comma there eight yeah. words <laughs> it would have been nine words. words if it had properly said the emergency room actually <laughs> 10 words going to emergency the emergency yeah. room that's yeah. not what the song says though yeah, but that's that's dumb. So this quote is from a. Oh, let's previously on. There's a really quick one. It's just that we had a deal scene with the president and the first lady, and then big block of cheese day from last season. So it's big block of cheese day two. The recheesing, <laughs> electric cheese. I don't know. Sequel jokes, and it starts off the White House. It's early a.m. Uh, nobody's really in there except for like cleaning crews. The lobby is kind of lit up like a Virgin Air cabin. So it's like all purple and they're playing that video with like all the YouTube celebs dancing. And then we get a song and it's New York Minute by Don Henley, which is, um, it's a song. You probably heard it. It's a song. I figured out how to play it off my headphones. You you don't need it. You don't need it in your life. Oh. It's one of those like uh it's a late 80s very like cinematic songs. Yeah. Well, I have a theory about that Rob Lowe contractually requires this song be played when he has an emotional scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this in another movie with with him? No, it just feels very like 1980s. I bet you it Rob was Lowe, in a movie. like heartthrob. Isn't there another New York Minute song? It was, I guess we, we, uh, we missed an age where a New York Minute was like a big thing in the world. Yeah. There, I was trying to find this, a clip to this song to put in the show notes, and they're pretty litigious about YouTube copies of this song in particular. I guess it's like a big studio song or whatever. But most of the videos for this song are like 9-11 edits mm. of like, mm. I don't really know why, because just because it has like the word New York and emergency. Yeah. <laughs> but like the song isn't about like a That's terrorist weird. attack or anything, but there's like, <laughs> it's like... Nor burning towers this... with this song playing under it but the music is stripped so it's just silence and there's a little youtube annotation that says if you want to listen to this song click my other link and it goes to my blog <laughs> it's really weird it's really... but nor is this episode about um go into emergency or new york or go no. into jail i thought is that it is it about song... going to emergency or going to jail the west wing was like becoming like a brat pack movie like when the song was playing and the just the way it was being filmed in the beginning i think the thing they're honing in on is the everything can change line because mm. it's about there's a lot of 
there's a couple plot lines in this where people get a piece of information that like changes their outlook on life. Have you guys? Also, the wolf is always waiting at the door. Yeah, it's the wolf line. You think? I mean, that makes yeah that that sentiment though of like you think you're comfortable and then you're not. Well, and and also it fits into the theme of like you know the United States is there to protect from like the darkness in the world. Yeah. Which we'll get to, but either way, it's like it feels like really they're just mushing a square. Maybe that's where the nine eleven edits come in. Too. And I want to, yeah. I want to go back to this, um, this point. But what is a New York minute? Have you guys had an experience in New York where in a minute something has Everything drastically has changed. changed? Every single thing has changed. I I can think of one experience. What was your New York minute? Um, I was having a fine day, and then on the subway. I saw a man's penis, and that really changed. <laughs> like a New York yeah. minute. <laughs> really Ooh. changed everything. Yeah, okay. Elise, you're, so you're confirming that when men show people their penises, it's a life-changing experience. Yeah, I. it was very um, unpleasant and traumatic. Oh, uh, okay. I, I went, like, out loud, and then the guy put his penis away and ran away. All right. It was like a, has a happy ending. <laughs> I don't. Not your, mm. not your typical happy ending. Shout out when... to my boy Eric Bowling. Yeah, unfairly baby. prosecuted <laughs> for sending pics that people obviously want to get. <laughs> I just oh, want to see the pics. I want to see. Yeah, the pics. put put it out there. Whoever got those, the people please. want the pics. Oh, I forgot though. We have some follow up, right? We got last follows. episode. We had a whole thing about uh, when when the paper gets put to bed because there was a late night event and they were going to get an extra day because I wasn't going to make the papers. And we got some contacts in the newspaper business, if you can call it that anymore. One of our arm's length listeners. Yeah, we actually mentioned her by name. What? (laughs) Um, You said, Brayden said Suze puts the paper to bed. Yeah. Um, So Susie had a (laughs) follow-up. Meanwhile, Jason, what's your New York Minute? See any dicks? Um, I don't, I mean. Did you do a New York oh. Minute, Eric? I'm living the exact same life that I did when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't Super changed consistent. Since day Unchangeable. One. Okay, so we have a short, short ver- version and a long version. Short version is 2.30 a.m. is when the paper gets a lullaby. Called it. Um, but the long version is that there's three deadlines, 9 p.m., 11.30 p.m., and 1 a.m., and then you can make changes until 2.30. And depending on many factors, how late the news and or sports is on the earlier deadlines, how late or early the Wall Street Journal is, because they print at the same facility as the Post, um, it can be earlier or later. And if you have a good head start, the press run is going to go smoothly. Um, and sometimes you're done at 2 a.m. because there's nothing left to print. But if news breaks... Sue's can call the guys in the Bronx and ask them to slow down the run or stop the run altogether, which Hell yeah. I think she would pick up a red phone and yell, stop the presses. Yeah, you hit a big red button. Right. And she'd be wearing a fedora with like a pencil in her hat while she and did like it. And like a steam whistle goes off. Yes. Actually, how it goes is she says, that's our New York minute. And then everything changes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently Susie did this once without realizing it. Um. And later the guy was like, you realize you like stopped the presses. And then uh, she freaked out. Hmm. And then she has an addendum to that. Addendum. Yeah. Wow. Really milking it. Yeah. So New York is the latest city. So they're able to scoop the Daily News and the Times now and then. And most notably on David Bowie's death, the Times that day had an article in print that began, it's a great time to be David Bowie. (laughs) Oof. 
Yeah, that's a rough one. And then oh, because wasn't it his like 69th birthday? Yeah, that he died and he on? also he came he like released an album, right? right? That Black Star album, or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, in a New York minute, baby. She was saying that she couldn't remember when what time CJ mentioned, but she highly doubts they would have missed the it East Coast. It was nine something, I think. Yeah, it seems like unlikely that you would miss all of the opportunities to. That's change a lot the of news. coast. First of all, yeah, that's yeah. a big coastline. Yeah, so Folks. thank you, Suze. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so back to the episode. Well, before we get started with the episode, more facts about New York Minute. <laughs> Please. Did you know that New York Minute by Don Henley is six New York Minutes and a half long? <laughs> oh. One of the, It's the is longest it, song that was on the top wait, 50 that's, that's contem- actually adult contemporary. normal American minutes. Is a New York Minute in this scenario just a regular Earth Minute? Yes. Okay. That's but a 30, lot more I think stuff in New- happens in a minute in New York than elsewhere. Right. It's 30 um, like Middle America minutes and about, about 14 uh, California minutes. Okay. But the other thing is that verse that they're playing, both at the beginning and the end of this episode, not the first verse. Hmm. The second verse. So it's not the intro as the subtitles indicated. So they really did cherry pick this, this particular set of lyrics. Hmm. This is probably what like Aaron Sorkin did like some club drug to the first time <laughs> and he has some sentimental attachment to it it's like his like ketamine song i mean this song is what got him off the allman brothers yeah yeah they're in the office it's uh clean and cruise leo comes in early though and he walks by toby's office and finds sam sleeping on the couch and leo wakes him up and seems like a little angry you slept here it's like you you slept here like don't don't do that buddy um, yeah. I guess that's a no-go. You don't want to sleep at the office. It's a bad sign. I say just go for it. Yeah. It seems like you would uh, get... Re- it's like, oh, you're such a go-getter. He didn't even want to go home. Uh, I felt like we were being dropped into some kind of chaotic uh, scenario. We didn't know what was going on. Well, first of all, I was expecting that somebody was going to emergency. And jail as well. That would have been great. Yeah. But in, in, in the way that it starts, there's like... Some office shuffling in the back. I thought, oh, is that a hospital? Are they in the hospital? Mm. No, he's just sleeping in the office. Yeah. So he wake, gets woken up, and he thinks he's fine. He just needs a fresh shirt, and that's his plan for getting through the day. It's like, I'm just going to change shirts. Everything's going to be fine. I wish that's all I needed to look like a functioning human being. Do you keep extra clothes at the office? No. I've always heard that's like the professional thing to do. You spill coffee on yourself. I spilled coffee on my shirt the other day at the office. No. That's what Tide pens are for. Yeah. I keep a suit. Yeah? And ties and stuff. Oh, yeah. I guess you do. But I don't have a spare shirt. Like, I figure I could just go buy one if I need one. Yeah. I would love to have a spare wardrobe <laughs> to keep at the office. Yeah, I don't think I have, like, a dedicated space. You keep it in your office? Yeah. Okay. You have a real office. I'm not an open floor plan. I have a real in. office, yeah. Yeah. It is that probably very, makes a difference. very small, though. But it's real. It has yeah, I have part of a desk. <laughs> I share with a lot of other people. So yeah, Leo's in early because there are protesters for the WTO convention, which is in town. Seems like a bad idea to make the WTO convention in Washington. That's just going to draw protesters. They still get massive protests every I mean, time they, they put meet. It, they put it in the other Washington famously, and that didn't go well either. Nope. All, any corner of the country they can't luck they out. They just did it, um, or was that the G20? But like, there was like pretty big protests at the last big meeting like this recently in germany and they were like water cannoning the they, protesters in hong kong there's massive protests for the wto meeting they 
draw the ire of the international left pretty Doesn't reliably. A and water, the right. A water cannon really? sound kind of nice in the summer. <laughs> it sounds like a fun <laughs> it thing. It sounds great. The, the, the <laughs> oh, you get to play with some dogs? Yeah. yeah. Libertarians hate it's the like WTO because it's not park. a free market. Oh, yeah. It's the parenthesis, parenthesis, parenthesis globalists. Well, it's, it's a tariff agreement brokering organization and they're against tariffs they're against tariffs but then they allow everyone brokering they allow everyone to enter into tariffs if they satisfy certain criteria and then they'll cut a deal where everyone that's a member of the wto and it's a lot of countries now there's over 100 uh will agree to abide by the terms of that Hmm. but so so the wto will say like all right you you can't have tariffs that are designed to protect you know, your country's economic interests unless it's an industry that's like central or core to like your culture, your, you know, your local economy. Like you don't want to create a situation where by not applying protective tariffs, your agriculture industry will die out and then you won't be able to have your own domestic food production. Right. right? But then it gets more, you know, bizarre than that. Then it's like, oh, well, you can enter into tariff agreements if it's going to protect workers. Well, every single industry could make an argument for protective tariffs in order to protect jobs, right? And so now you end up in a situation where essentially all of these powerful countries are colluding with each other, price fixing with each other at the expense of less powerful countries who are told, open your borders, you know, don't... uh, Oh, and the the thing the WTO does most aggressively is they enact anti-dumping agreements. So... Like third world countries. What are you pro dumping or something? Well, so dumping is like, oh, I'm gonna flood your market with my way cheaper goods to completely bankrupt and put out of business all of your domestic competitors, mm. and then I'll have a monopoly over that good the, in your country. The Amazon strategy. Yeah. So all of these larger countries with higher cost of living and, and overhead domestically will get together and agree not to permit third world countries to, to do dumping in their economies. And they'll essentially all create import regulations on goods that come from those countries that are going to price a certain amount below domestic producers. But what's crazy about that is like you'll have, I don't know, like J. Crew will produce clothing in China, right? Or the Maldives, and then they'll like or Mauritania rather, and then they'll bring it over. But it's a it's a domestic company that's selling it, but it was produced in a third world economy. That third world economy can't can't sell its own goods under its own corporate brand, so they're essentially forced to have to create all these things for a domestic first world brand. Yeah, it seems like that would only really work for like raw materials too, because so many things are like they get shipments from ten different countries and then assemble a thing, and it's like, is that really like it could be assembled there, right? You don't have to assemble it here or a, a. company could be located in the united states but it's really like a maldives run company or mauritania mauritania rather and uh wait is that the new name is that like a bangalore mauritania is like (laughs) it's like an island that's i think controlled by the united states but it's not uh it's not like a you know it's like uh, samoa okay where we essentially exploit that as our territory rather than a slave island yeah Hmm. they have those still Mm -hmm. pretty much they got a bunch they can't really vote for stuff, and they're not given citizenship, and but they're like our territory. So, and you know, there's there's a lot of protests sweet. about whether you have to label goods as being sourced from them, or if you can just say made in the United States. Oh, because it's a U.S. territory, right? Yeah. So Leo is avoiding these protesters for this, and 
he has all he's like i had to make a u-turn on 17th dupont had two turns closed off with metal barricades and cop cars so i took p to logan circle which was also blocked so i made a u-turn and doubled back to get on 16th there is a negative percent chance that leo drives himself into work yeah <laughs> true also this or whole, has driven a car in the past 20 years there's like they talk like a lot about traffic and ways to get to work mm -hmm. and this reminded me there's like this snl skit it's kind of like a one trick pony but it's it's like these people from california and it's a soap opera and all they do is give each other directions for how to get around california maybe you should get going before stewart gets home all right i'll say you're gonna take canyview driver to san vicente and then make a left and go 405 north from there just get off mall hauling totally like that and this reminded me of like the West Wing version of that conversation. There's a pretty prominent plot point in The American President, which is the kind of the prequel to The West Wing in a way. Um, it's Aaron Sorkin's like president movie and about people getting lost in traffic circles in D.C. You're just going to drive over. A.J., I'm commander in chief of the most powerful army in the world. You don't think I can drive 10 blocks? Just uh, stay away from DuPont Circle. I hear it's murder this time of day. So I think this is a subtle callback to that, too, in a way. Um, There's uh, traffic circles and such. Yeah. They got du DuPont Circle is a, a thing they but keep D talking DC about. DC does not have bad traffic. Like, I'm sorry. If you're going to talk about cities and bad traffic. Oh, yes, it does. There was DC police. Is, but like, the they roads shut in down DC roads. Are... No, it's the interstates into DC because of all uh, the commuters from Nova. Like, Bye. Nova into DC is like the worst traffic in the world. Okay. Take like the train, 95 yeah i used to drive i mean i lived in richmond which is south of that and i would have to go through there every once in a while and it was always just like 15 lanes across bumper to bumper it's Ugh. insane so sam he can't go home at, even though leo tells him to because he has some pardon recommendations to finish up reviewing and giving to the president's desk and Weirdly, none of them are for the president's family or son-in-law or immediate staff. He doesn't have to think mm. about this. Strange. Wild. In a non-West Wingy way, they get right to the point of what's bothering Sam. Josh told me what happened with your parents. Sam. Yeah. My father had affairs. Did he? Yeah. My father didn't pick up a cocktail waitress, Leo. He's had a woman in an apartment in Santa Monica. Yeah. For 28 years. Sex slave? That's what I was thinking. Is this like a room situation yeah. going on here? Or is it just a, he's got like a lady, a mistress? And is there, oh. are there, does Sam have like a, a brother, half brother now that he didn't <laughs> know about? Like, how, what's, how, how is this even possible? No, it just sounds like you rent an apartment that you let your mistress stay in for free and you can just go there whenever you want for like a little something, something. How, for what? That seems like a lot to keep straight for 28 years. Yeah, the duality of that would drive someone crazy, I think. I can't even like commit to a bit on this podcast without breaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's like living two lives. For Does the mistress know he has a wife? Probably. I would think so. you, she'd have to be like in on it in order to or keep it Or he's like, a I'm secret. a traveling salesman. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, that adds to the complexity significantly. It's also yeah. do that. like something that would sort of simplify is that if he, like, you know, sometimes people live outside the city, but they'll have an apartment in the city that they like, you know, if they're really rich, yeah. they'll sleep at. Well, like, yeah, or they'll, if they work late, they'll stay there or something. Yeah, pied-a-terre. So, 
Is that a pied de terre? No. Yeah. I thought a pied de terre is like a like a vaca- like a little vacation. I thought that was a kind of cake. <laughs> no. No. A pied de terre. <laughs> a pied de terre is like a convenience. A petty four? I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It would be easier if your family knew that you had an apartment, but then and then you just had your mistress. But you're never there. allowed there. <laughs> yeah, but you're never you can never go there. It's a mess. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah. You, would, you, yeah. wouldn't, it's you wouldn't such, be comfortable. It's not you wouldn't. Small so the bed. moral here is that affairs are too much work. Don't do them. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> or just one-offs. Just, yeah. No no committed <laughs> affairs. Right. Don't have a secret family on the side for many years. And Sam doesn't want to talk about it. He says he's fine with it. Um, I'm going to guess at this point in the episode that he's not he actually not fine with fine it. He's fine with it, dude. And he walks into the communications office, and then there's this interesting thing where Ginger's on the phone. This is Ginger. It's 6.35. I've opened the communications office. Who's on the other end of that phone call? She's telling... She said... That's us? That's the, the audience? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, she said, hi, like, Sam. She but she was, was on the phone, though. Right. It's, all, it's very official. It's like, uh, it's like a, a NASA liftoff. It's right. Like, it's oh. 6.35, and we prepared operator? for opening the yeah, communications it's office. The, it's the operator. Booth. The phone, Probably, phone booth. Yeah, switch us off from, like, a recording or some oh, okay. routing to another routing. Yeah. Okay. I'll buy it. And then uh, that's the credits on the big, uh, the big reveal that the communications office is open. After that is Josh and Leo, and we find out it is Big Block of Cheese Day again, and nobody really wants to hear the speech that Leo likes to give every year, but that's, in his words, that's what makes it Big Block of Cheese Day. And they start divvying out assignments for people, so Toby is going to be meeting with the protesters, and he has very little respect for these protesters. 30,000 tourists. You know, the protesters. No, I don't call them protesters. I've seen better organized crowds at the DMV. Sure. Police are always seven steps ahead of them. Cops know exactly where they're going to be and what's going to happen. You know how they know? By logging onto their website. We got the underground. We had rapid response. But the best part about this is that Toby was just a child. The day we knew how to protest. What day was that? 1968. How old were you when you were protesting? My sisters took me. <laughs> He probably went to, like, the March on Washington or something. Yeah. One of these big ones. There's always a thing that Stephen Colbert says that his his mother went to the March on Washington while she was pregnant with him. So he always says that, like, every time he has, like, a civil rights leader on the old show, he would tell them that story. He's like, yeah, I was at the I Have a Dream speech. <laughs> I was in the womb, but I was there. So we're basically yeah. connected the same. Oh, and then there's one thing where CJ negotiated that there are going to be no cameras in the room. And that is what really sells Toby on going because he knows that he can do whatever he wants there, basically, if it's not being recorded. So this is bullshit. Because why? The whole entire plot point is how it's just a bunch of kids in a room. You really think that some organizational structure existed for them to actually guarantee there would be no cameras? Sure. Well, this is pre. Yeah, they didn't have people select cameras. They were like room-sized <laughs> devices. No, nah, the they had like little camcorders and crap. Yeah, but this nowadays it would just be cell phone videos yeah, and like no live streaming. Yeah. But they promise. can like for like old camcorders, they could check them, you know, and make sure they're not carrying them in. Sure. Because they're going yeah. inside a place that's like under the what control, right? Yeah, but then why ha- why negotiate that with the organization? You could just negotiate that with the building they were in. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it all about like hearing out the organizations though that they Yeah. So maybe it's right, just seems it to just do. seems a little un- incongruous with their general grievance with them, which is that they're a bunch of disorganized, you know, sniping kids. 
Is it the big block of cheese day thing is all fake? Like it no, is- it's it's a real ish thing. But I mean, the White House making a official day out of it. That's not real, right? Was That's not real, but yeah. it but it really did up. exist though. There was like a big block of there cheese. There was a bunch of cheese. Yeah, at one time there was cheese in the White House. I also like in this scene. Well, when uh, Leo is saying he needs to give the speech, it's for morale, and then he walks in the room and tells everyone to shut the hell up. Yeah. And then also he was like, Margaret put a lot of effort into pairing everybody. Yeah, it's a great moment for Margaret. Yeah, and she has a great like shaking her head yes when he's looking at her and then a no when he looks away yeah okay, like just... good physical comedy she doesn't even have like a line no. and she like it's like the biggest laugh in the episode yeah <laughs> just to get back to the big block of cheese day that's fake that that's not a real thing that ever happened you mean like currently in the white house yeah yeah i think that's fake <laughs> you think trump's gonna do it <laughs> i mean he's gonna eat a bunch of cheese they but, did obama did a right. big block of cheese His day. fat ass is a big block of cheese obama like me. in response i think to west wing stuff kind of did of unofficial that's re- so fucking stupid but this wasn't like a clinton thing or nothing no so i did look up there was a big block of cheese originally mm-hmm. and the the best thing i read about it was that um, really what it was about was like uh, he got all this cheese and he didn't want it <clears throat> and he just had too much cheese. So he invited everyone to come to the White House and then, then he, they ate the cheese. So hmm. it wasn't like as uh, Which was good. generous as... No, well, he just really, really didn't like... He wanted to get rid of all the cheese. And it, it was a big problem because it smelled for days. Was he so they had to clean out... It was just a lot of cheese, he was, man. He did was he intolerant ha- about everyone else. Did he have lactose intolerance or high cholesterol? What he had was a bunch of smelly cheese in his house. Do we know what kind of cheese it was? Big block. Oh. Of? Like a nice, uh, a nice blue cheese or a... I don't think That's they had lot. fancy European cheeses back then. So just a straight up ch- American this is pre, cheddar? This is pre-Europe. It's like a farmer's cheese. Pre-Europe. Yeah. yeah. Pre-trade, world trade. No, this yeah. is a hard cheese. You can't make big blocks of farmer's cheese. It's true. It's, it's actually some... not one big block, but a bunch of smaller bits. What kind of cheese mm. Piles. did they have? What kind of hard cheeses did we have before? Parmesan. No, but before importing it from Pre-Europe. Europe. Pre-Europe. This, there is no pre you probably could import hard cheese. <laughs> it does just sit in a closet for years. But do you think they were doing that? Yeah, yeah, for sure, totally. Jason, do, do you have a bunch of closet uh, cheese in your closet? <laughs> totally, absolutely. <laughs> we and have I rub a it down, clo- a dark cheese, like every closet. week. I nice. give it a massage. You should turn that sauna that you have as a cat room right now into a cheese cellar. <laughs> absolutely, I support that. Would that would be dope. Uh, in addition to Toby, CJ also has a meeting set up, and she's going to be meeting with the Cartographers for Social Equality, which nobody really knows what that means, but they all think it's funny, and she does not want to meet with them. Oh, and uh, on Toby's thing, CJ says, I negotiated no cameras. Don't you want to make out with me right now? And then Toby makes it weird, and he's like, when don't I? <laughs> yeah, her reaction to that is good, really impressive, like from an acting beat point of view, because it's she like kind of rebukes it but isn't like a dick about it it's like a really great reaction her facial expression <laughs> she, but, but she yes, conveys bring it down line. a notch Toby. <laughs> and the thing is it's one of those things where like the actors get that get the script and they're like fuck i have to sell this shit <laughs> there's another great cj moment later i'll point out too she has a couple good things in this one um and then at the end of the uh scene 
Leo goes back to his speech because people keep interrupting him, um, and Josh makes a joke. Two-ton block of cheese. And a wheat thin the size of Lake Tahoe. <laughs> and he's insanely proud of himself. It's a bad joke. He's so happy about yeah, it. Yeah, he's like looking around like he's for like, like yeah, yeah that, yep, you got that one? Like, I nailed it. He just like said a thing. <laughs> what is jo- Josh? Josh is kind of like cracking jokes and hanging around yeah he has nothing this to do this day. yeah he doesn't have any responsibilities i feel today. like last time they had everybody have a meeting there's really only two of them that we find out about in this one yeah i so- like the last big block of cheese episode i kind of wish they did more cheese blocking <laughs> they do one a year i think well like more i mean in this episode like more uh meetings oh sure sure because they're always really funny yeah the next scene is donna goes out to the lobby and she has a friend who comes to see her at the White House. And can we all agree she's a cutie? She's a cutie. <laughs> she's I would cutie. say yeah. Uh, cutie. Yeah. So she brings her back. Donna brings her back into the office, Josh's office, and ends up telling her about Cheese Day. Andrew Jackson, while he was president, had in the main foyer of the White House, I can't believe I'm giving this speech, a two-ton block of cheese. In that spirit, Leo McGarry designates one day for certain senior staff members to take appointments with people or groups that wouldn't ordinarily be able to get the air of the White House. Sounds amazing. And But she kind of screws up the telling of the story. The way she says it is, well, Andrew Jackson, right? Yeah. The, yeah, Andrew yeah. Jackson had a big block of cheese in the White House. And in that spirit, we meet with people. And it's like, you kind of miss the point. It's <laughs> like, those two are not related unless you talk about the, it was for everybody to share and bring into the people's house and all this stuff. But Donna totally skips over that. And then her friend's like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> See, the great. president had too much cheese and he wanted less cheese. <laughs> you just did a better job explaining that than Donna did. Well, then the show did, since they never actually talk about the too much cheese and want to get rid of it part uh but it turns out donna's friend is also a cheese wanter because she has an ask an ask to for sam particularly because sam's the guy reviewing pardons and um it sounds like it's for her dad but we later find out it's for her grandfather and her dad is dying and like really wants the name cleared of the grandfather so donna is very worried about what it's going to look like for the president to give a pardon to somebody that he knows through four levels of indirection um and they're that's going to be a deal breaker essentially is what she says but she gets guilt tripped and eventually decides to bring it up to sam and gives her friend some like quick tips on how to like emotionally manipulate sam through Mm -hmm. flattery Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, this is like very strange to me because it's like if he's really old and he's like dying then like grandparents harp on things like for men, I think after like the age of like 75 or something, they get like obsessed with things sometimes. And they like just every single time you see them will like mention like, oh, like, oh, is this like an Alzheimer's situation? Like, or just mm. like they don't have anything to focus on anymore. Or they're, I don't Their know. Their lives have no meaning anymore. I don't know about that. Okay. But they just like, they get really obsessive about things and they start repeating themselves a lot. Maybe it's just a memory. That's pretty much what Fox News did is like channeled all yeah. of that energy into yes. something like, Here's something to get angry and obsessed with every single day. Right. It's like, lady, take your dad's wishes with a grain of salt. Don't like, I would never like. Don't waste the president's time (laughs) making sure your last name, which I imagine you're not even going to keep when you marry someone, is cleared. Just lie to your dad. He's dying anyway. He's old. He probably can't use the internet. Just be like, yeah, I I called my friend at the White House and everything's fine. Name's cleared. 
And have a nice life. Ayn Rand already ruined that last name anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Galt. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah, so that's kind of the main plot line is Sam pardoning and dealing with this lady's grandfather. So the next scene is uh, the president, and he's talking to some nerds about the economic indicators or something like that. Uh, walks into the Oval Office, and Charlie comes up something with the president's brother and it just triggers some memories of steamers from whom jonathan bartlett that name sounds familiar he's your brother yes i remember being locked in a steamer trunk that doesn't sound so bad there were actual steamers in there with me charlie i was in there with seafood so he's he said i got locked in a steamer trunk which i didn't a know steamer what a trunk steamer with trunk, steamers yeah. with steamers in a steam cabin of a steam powered train so it's just steamers all the way down what are steamers and somebody took a shit on his chest (laughs) okay so a steamer trunk is just a giant trunk trunk. that you take on like a international like a tour of yeah. Europe, so we're going on like a three-month trip. It's like big enough. It's They're like just big trunk. It's, it's a, a freestanding closet, essentially. Like yeah. it's tall enough to like hang clothes up inside of it if you put it up at the, if you put it up vertically. It's like a portable wardrobe. Portable wardrobe. Yes. There is steamers, the seafood, and I was having right, trouble so finding exactly what that is. I think it's, in, a, cl- it's a clam. It's a clam. clam. Yeah. Okay. Right. Why? I, right. I didn't get this. Why would there be clams in a suitcase? I don't know. Part of it, the alliteration of the joke for the brother like it would be really funny if i if i put some steamer food in a steamer in a trunk steamers in a steamer is this like a an old version of a chicken milk this, bomb this, this or is something? No, this is like an impractical <laughs> joke it, it, it's an impractical a chicken joke. milk bomb it's where where you put chick a raw chicken and um and milk in a jar and then you you put it hidden in someone's house you close it hmm? and yeah you close you put it, it in like the air intake for the AC, yeah, that and then very it, cruel. yeah, and then it it gets very it rotten. It builds up with gases, and then it pops. Yeah. Oh shit! And like then it's, um, it's, botulism. Yeah, it's mm. very bad. Yeah, from what I understand. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, Fun fact too: botulism, bo- <laughs> Botox is botulism you put in your face. Hmm. That's fun. Yeah, that is a fun fact. That is fun. Yeah. So the thing with the brother is that they, I guess, the brother is in charge of the presidential library planning and. They lost the library site that they wanted to use. This is essentially this current season of Veep is yes. all about trying <laughs> to find so but this a library Veep site. Does does a much more entertaining job of showing well, the realities. It's not like some guy, <laughs> you know, was Veep in is a much more entertaining show, <laughs> much more realistic show. Yeah, Veep but, is great. Uh, so, have we just been the victims of another retcon in terms the of brother? The, the president's family? Um, I we I don't think we've heard about the brother. Is before. this two weeks in a row? But I don't think we. I, ne- I had no reason to think he'd never had a brother. Well, there's photos all over the office that only showed Zoe. Yeah, but who has photos of their adult brother? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little weird. I guess. Yeah. I mean. Dude, you have no photos of your brother here, Eric. My parents no, don't have don't photos cool. of their siblings in our house. They like don't? All, no. But, you're, but okay, this is like a political thing, right? Like, whatever you put in the Oval Office is scrutinized by every single member of the press. So it's like, if you don't... Like, if Bill Clinton didn't have a picture of his brother somewhere... No, his brother was a big fucker. I know. Like, saying, like then, then it's like, there's going to be stories written about how he doesn't like his brother. And, like, is, you know. and presumably the president's brother is not like that. 
because right. he's in charge of like something His relatively legacy. important. Yeah, he's not a Billy Beer guy. Yeah, <laughs> I love presidential brothers. Anyways, there, <laughs> I want to point out there's like a tiny Jeb. Pl- Do you think there's a picture of Jeb? In classic, <laughs> classic presidential brother. Uh, there's this bit they're talking about the 10 year OMB. Oh yeah, that was Sam and um. But also the president is uh, somebody asked the president for it. And yeah. he's like, that's never right. And they're like... I tried to find some... I tried, tried to find 10 years ago's OMB documents because I assumed they would be horribly wrong because there was like a giant financial crash yeah. Wait, like the what next is this? year. It's just a tiny plot point in this story. They're asking for these 10-year out uh, predictions or whatever. And everybody seems to know Office that... Office of Monetary... Management and Budget. Yeah, they're totally wrong. <laughs> oh. But, but they like, have to they make need the to reports, do it anyway. But they always... got to do the report. Things always change, and they're always wrong, according to the show. So, but they're very worried about what they say still for some reason. O- OMB it. sounds like oh, it's just some random agency. OMB is the the clearinghouse for all administrative agencies in the executive branch. So essentially, it's like that's really the White House staff. The o- the office of OMB liaises directly with the president in managing all of these ridiculous agencies. It's like, how much are the things we want to do going to cost? How does that money get allocated? Like, on what schedule and does it get allocated? Almost every single draft regulation for all but the the agencies that are given uh, independence from the executive uh, have to go through OMB, and OMB reviews them, You know, has DOJ review them, does a budget analysis on it, mm-hmm. and then does a, a report that goes to the president. So rarely do you get the report you know, from the agency to the president in direct communication. It's all kind of funneled through OMB. This is that Mulvaney guy now, right? Right, and it used to be Cass Sunstein when Obama first. So Mulvaney came in, which is, is awesome. the one that uh, double counted two trillion dollars, yeah. <laughs> to make the budget on the like tax cuts or something. And what's work. funny about that is like staffers at OMB are lifetime staffers; like they don't change when the administration changes. They're the right? deep state. Yeah, they're like holdovers. Obama holdovers. Yeah. So mistakes like that tend not to happen as genuine mistakes, but are kind of like political gamesmanship. Yeah. So, yeah, they go out to the comms office after that, and there's just a little... This is where Donna meets... um, Donna and Stephanie, who is her friend's name, meet with Sam. Um, They tell this... So, she mentions her grandfather. She's like, my grandfather was... What was the guy's name? His first name? Does anybody remember? Uh, All I can do is John now. What's up? Daniel. Daniel Galt. And there's this funny scene of like everybody in the room knows everything that they're talking about, but they have to like explain it to each other. It's like, oh, you know who that is, right? You know who Daniel Bolt was? He was a staffer here in the 40s. He was a special economic assistant to FDR and special liaison to state for Eastern European affairs. Donna knows the rest. He was jailed for espionage and died in prison six months later. Relatively seamless about getting information across for something that they would have no reason to actually say. So I thought that was in at this least episode, funny. There, I think there's like a, a lot of that where people have to like re-explain what they're doing to other people. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a lot of like, oh, I already know what you're talking about or, or like I'm filling in but, your but just, the blanks. Just in case you don't know, yeah. can you explain yourself to me? Right, <laughs> they right. try to do that with Toby and the cop later. Yeah, it does, to- does not work. Yeah, yeah. She's like, uh, "I'm just sitting here. Why don't you tell me what this is all about?" And he just—they can't figure out a way to write it. Yeah. She wants this pardon of him. He was a claimed to be by the FBI a spy for the Russians in the Cold War, and he was a State Department 
staffer, like a budget analysis yeah, person this, or this something? This was like the precursor to the FBI, I guess, right? No, FBI would have been around back then, I think. Oh, maybe. I think they started in the 20s. There was some organization that that uh, that uh, Sam names like HUAC or HUAC something? HUAC is the House Un-American Activities oh, Committee, okay. which is like the Joseph McCarthy, right. like famous okay. Edward R. Murrow, that whole time frame. So yeah, so this guy was purported to be a Russian spy. He maintained his innocence through his death, which is only six months after being convicted of perjury because they couldn't make the real conviction so like the evidence seems shoddy he never he said he was uh innocent a lot of people believe he was innocent sam actually wrote wrote his his, thesis uh, partially on this yeah and she kind of brings that up to him he doesn't like volunteer that information but she's done her research so this is like sam is the guy that you want looking at this because he already believes the guy's innocent he's in charge of recommending pardons um He'll do anything for a pretty girl, and she flatters him. So, like, perfect alignment of the stars here. So Sam is on the case, and they're going to go down to the mess and talk it out. <laughs> Toby goes to meet the protesters, and we meet Officer Rhonda Sachs. And she's a real fucking New Yorker. She's got a Yankees cap mm-hmm. on, a big slice of pizza in one hand. <laughs> she's <laughs> real spitfire. Yeah, she's, one. She, she, her and Toby get along. Um, they, are, they probably grew up together, basically. <laughs> They, she just escorts inside. She's like the protection from the rabble that Toby has to meet with today. They cut back to Sam and Donna and Stephanie, and they're downstairs. And I, I just like that in the background of like the very first shot, Josh walks like up to a table and just sits down in the background, and he's just there because usually they would like not schedule that actor for that shoot, you know. But like the marquee actor has to be like in the background just like being an extra for this whole scene it's great sam says i'll i'm gonna look into this for you but first i got a narc on you by going to talk to the fbi because they can't be surprised by this they're gonna you know we're all part of the executive branch here so i gotta give them a heads up and then josh comes up and takes sam away out of the mess they share some lincoln trivia like lincoln's last pardon was of a union deserter and josh gives him a contact for an fbi agent that he can talk to to like do this like nice you know heads up thing and makes a comment about sam's new dress shirt so he's like you're looking good man nice it worked (laughs) it's like is that a new shirt nice (laughs) they're so weird together um after that is toby on stage at the protester uh wto protest and there's like an unruly crowd and they can't really get organized enough to even listen to him. They've got the worst signs. There's no good signs. Were there, yeah, did you, I was it's all just make like WTO, no. Like, it's bad. <laughs> that was one of my headlines, all right? Oh, and they're, uh, they're chanting global <laughs> justice now. Global, that's, I'm, I'm for that. You're f- what do you think? Global justice now? Yeah. Now or, or later? Now? Just within the next year. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, It'd be nice to have like some mild global yeah. justice. Okay. Yeah. I got a mild There's case. consensus. Yeah. Global justice. Um, he calls the leader of the protesters over and he calls them. Um, can, can, one can one of you people <laughs> say, say this name? Solz. I'm really good at names. Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, he calls them. It's a very. There's a, a lot of references in this episode, and um, what is this guy? He, Did you know that name? Yeah, he's a philosopher. Is he? 
Solzhenitsyn. Look at you, fancy smart person. I mean, he was a lot. He lived. I know the name. Look at the big brain on Bray. Yeah. <laughs> he is a... He was an outspoken critic of the Soviet Union and communism who helped raise global awareness of the Gulag forced labor camp system. There you go. He lived uh, 1918 to 2008. Oh, Braden, are you wow. an author of nice this run. Wikipedia article? <laughs> then he tells him, he's like, you know where you fucked up? The cameras. Like, I'm going to sit here and read the sports section. And unless you guys like can manage to calm yourselves down, I'm going to keep doing that. So... And then I'm going to go out and say that we had a great meeting because there are no cameras to prove so, otherwise. What I don't understand about this is just because there's no cameras doesn't mean there's no reporters. Yeah, they said there was like the wire service, but that's easy to dispute, though. Lying media, edit again, trying to stir up controversy. We had a productive talk. Everything's great. Yeah. Like, that's what he's going to say. Right. But like daily, they probably have things written about them that aren't being filmed. So I don't understand. Well, I guess they're not going to just say like he couldn't get the crowd under control. It's yeah, I the mean, optics of that. But the way reporters would, they would couch that language and say like, right. in front of a rambunctious crowd, Toby Ziegler attempted to explain the White House's position on whatever, but he's not going to like make the whole story about how there's arguments in the crowd. I don't know. It just seems like not newsworthy. And there's kind of no story if he's just sitting there and they're yeah. just freaking out. Yeah. It's just like a, a, a non-issue really. Right. Nowadays, cell phones, though, so that's a, a relic of the past. Toby tries to start his speech. Um, the guy manages to get some symbol to order. Probably sets the wrong, like, visual scene here by, like, having a cop immediately flank him, like, on stage <laughs> as he's trying to, like, talk to these, like, anarchists. Not the best optics in the world. And then there's a, it's a good bit of acting here where Toby's mic doesn't work. Good morning, Good morning. My name is Toby Ziegler. He starts yelling out so that everybody can hear him. Hard way to give a speech, I would imagine. It pre pre microfication. I mean, it's I, I the way I read that was that he just didn't he like chose not to use the mic. And he no, was, he tried talking soft and then it uh, wasn't working. And he, I think he like taps it a couple times and just I mean yells over it. First of all, so Toby's the only one who's characterizing the protesters as anarchists, right? No, there was a sign. There, there was, was an a... a with this line yeah. oh, circle. Oh, okay. that like... I wonder if uh, Sorkin wrote that into the script himself. <laughs> Over overzealous uh, prop department. I guarantee you that Aaron Sorkin's point of view on the WTO is like it's a good thing. Like what Toby's well, argument Toby's is, later, is yeah. Aaron Sorkin's point of view on this. I would imagine, yeah. Given the way that he wrote the. Uh, the Occupy Wall Street episode of uh, Newsroom. <laughs> this is this is a this is like a, the prior version of that. Yeah, yeah these protesters yeah. are really bad. Young people are garbage. Well, this is their criticisms are lame. This is the 2016 primary all over again or before. It's like it has always been happening and it will always be happening. That like the the center left hates the left. And Toby's yes. very explicit about that later. He's like, I hate these people with a passion. I've never heard him talk about the Republicans who were trying to like tear down their entire agenda with the term hate. Yeah. But these people like a, a like a supernova. He hates these guys. Yeah. But what's funny is like anarchists are actually where the left and the right genuinely meet. Horseshoe theory. Well, the anarcho-capitalists are a, f a form of libertarianism that believes that you should have a capitalist marketplace without any centralized governmental regulation. And they're anarchists. Anarchy's a lot to take in. I don't think I would do well in anarchy. 
One time I, I do well in order. met someone who was an anarchist and he invited me to go to an anarchist meeting. And Did I you didn't, go? No. That's I how they get you. I didn't go, but I was like, Good why, job. That why was, that was me- close. Why are you having a meeting? Aren't you supposed to be like against organizing? <laughs> well, no, well, yeah, no, nobody that, goes. That's actually totally valid. Like, what is, there is no such thing as anarchy unless you're more specific about what you think like the, the default state's going to be. Anarchists were like popping off politicians and blowing them up for years. Like they, McKinley got killed by an anarchist. Uh, Franz Ferdinand got blown up by an anarchist. But I think that's just the way that the establishment characterizes them in order to like deflate their specific grievances, right? Not to say that it's mm. justified, but like I'm sure lots of people have like a manifesto, right? And that didn't get published in whatever newspapers. And instead, you know, the press was just like, yeah, they were, we were told by, you know, the powers that be, these people were just against government. Oh, it's like a second. It's like, oh, you don't think the Dole Banana Corporation should run like the guy that killed uh, South Franz, America? The guy that, that killed that's Franz anarchy Ferdinand. if that didn't happen. The guy that killed Franz Ferdinand may have been like an operative. Ooh. For the anarchist, it was a false flag. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, it's not or, a false flag. It's just there was no, no one had any information about who hired someone to kill this, this like a government official slash royal in the dying Ottoman Empire. I like anarchists. I mean, the the reason why they're World cool. War One started, they're or cool. They're good was people. Fueled is because of like international corporate, uh, like wresting of control away from the old. Weren't they uh, all like royal families, cousins, all the all of the royal houses? Well, yeah, they all married each other in yeah. you know Treaty of Westphalia and all. But they and were that all was the old world order. I heard about this recently that the King of England, the Kaiser of Germany or whatever that they called him, and the Tsar of Russia were first cousins. They were all Queen Victoria's grandchildren, and those are the like three three of the main axes of like who went to war with each other. Yeah. But it's they, fucking wild. But they went to war with each other not because the 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 royal families wanted to, but because the secular financial interests wanted to. Mm. I mean, look at JP Morgan, right? JP Morgan convinced the US government to give him to give JP Morgan a, a monopoly on lending money to England during World War 1. Right and lending money to Germany during World War One. Is that the Lend Lease Act? I I'm not sure. So he was he had a a private bank had a monopoly on doing that, right? And then nope, it is not. He convinced the U.S. government to give war like war support after Germany lost World War One, so that they could pay back J.P. Morgan. And same thing with England. So it was just a giant shell game where he's like, "Hey, listen, uh, I'm going to loan money to all these countries at war, both sides, and then." I'll loan the winners and losers money from taxpayers to pay me back. He's like the Iron Bank. What a giant scam. But that's what's going on in in almost all of these European countries. (laughs) The next scene is Sam and the FBI. So he goes over to give them a heads up on the Daniel Galt investigation or whatever. And hey, look, it's Clark Gregg. And he's the guy from the Marvel movies. He's Agent Uh, Smith. Don, no, that's the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's that guy. He's the he's the like non superhero in the in the Avengers movies. Yeah, the, with the long acronym for their organization, Shield. Mm-hmm. He's a recurring character. Um, I 
I'm pretty sure this is the first time he's been in the show. I thought he was in way more episodes, but he's actually only in like six of them. He's also a Aaron Sorkin alumni from Sports Night. He is the deus ex machina at the end of Sports Night when they're like, we're going to get put out of business because the network is dying. And then like, oh, a rich guy showed up and he loves our show and he's going to fund us. <laughs> the like, rich will save us. Yeah. And he's he's the rich guy. So they have a heated argument over whether it's insane to think that the Russians were exerting influence over U.S. government officials. Because the prosecutor couldn't make espionage. That's right. Well, why do you suppose that was? I don't suppose. I know. It was because the U.S. attorney blew it. Twelve jurors say no, and you're still... The man was named by Joe McCarthy as part of... 20 years of treason? Yes, which was called at the time a conspiracy on a scale so immense as to dwarf any previous venture in the history of man. Somebody wake me up from this because I think you just deputized Joe McCarthy into your argument. Sam brings up all these examples of people who were accused of communism in a, but not really proven. So he, brings, he, he mentions Ring Lardner Jr. Ring Lardner? Ring Lardner, which... That's a name. That Junior. Is, Junior, yeah, I looked. So Ring Lardner was one of like the um, the original Lardner. He was in that like uh, Hemingway, uh, Fitzgerald crowd in Paris in the like twenties or whatever. You know the Midnight in Paris crowd, and he has his son who was a TV writer who was blacklisted, and so he died in two thousand, which would have been right. He mentioned that he just died, so this like this is very topical. He died on Halloween, spooky. Ooh. in the year 2000 <laughs> fucking ring lardner man there's actually like an entire studio 60 plot line about this where there's this old about guy ring lardner no about like the blacklist that because that's a tv show that was supposedly had been around for like 50 years and there's this old guy shows up and he's wandering around the office and nobody knows what he's talking about and they they pinpoint him to like he was a guy who got blacklisted and they he was actually the ghost of ring lardner could be or a buddy of him or something. This um, is also what a uh, good night and good luck is about too, right? Well, yeah, that's the, that's more like the journalism side of it, but it's uh, the same. Yeah, it's that that HUAC committee, right. House Un-American Activities Committee thing. It's all all related to that. I watched this. So was studios. Wing Lardner a spy? No, he was just. Are a, you sure? He was just a communist. But the government, maybe the government knows. And well, you I don't, don't know. Maybe the NSA sitting on a big file, all redacted. The NSA calls their files dossiers. I call all of my files dossiers too. They're just files, but it sounds better. <laughs> it sounds way better. Yeah. <laughs> so it you didn't have to be a spy to fall under this. You could also just be like a sympathizer, yeah. I think, and still get like You would go to a meeting the and then Are you trying like to you clear went to a meeting. Ring Lardner's name. <laughs> no, but that what they would do is they would say, Okay, our our probable cause for essentially subpoenaing you to testify before this committee is that your name was on a list of people who attended a meeting, right? Or ordered a book or whatever, a pamphlet. And then... And how many ring lardners can there possibly be Well, but the the, then they would ask you questions that were unrelated to communism. They would ask you about like your sexual orientation, about any like sort of moral indiscretions, things that would embarrass you in front of your family, your friends, your, you know, your communities. And then people would inevitably try is to lie. Is it true that your name is Ring Lardner? <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't answer, you, I mean, how do you know if it's really your name? Your parents told you that, but you don't have mm. personal knowledge that that's mm. what's on your birth certificate. Anyway, so they, they would they would catch you trying to like not answer the question about something personal, and then they would uh, either hold you in contempt of Congress for not answering their or questions, perjury. or per, you lie and then perjury. And that was the way they would like 
imprisoned dissidents. I mean, that's the how they States. did it with this other guy, the grandfather in the yeah. story. Sympathizer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the FBI guy gets extremely defensive and makes walks right up to the line of threatening retaliation if they make go public on this. Our failures are public and our successes are private. So when we apprehend an enemy of the state, like, say, a fugitive member of West Virginia White Pride, we don't take a curtain call on Sunday with Sam and Cokie. When we learned that it wasn't the Secret Service who ordered the canopy down in Roslyn, we kept it to ourselves. Please, God, Mike, please tell me you weren't just threatening Toby Ziegler. I wasn't, Sam. I mean, it's understandable that that would work like that, but that's kind of like part That's what the job is. So you don't get to, like, you get so much respect and deference because of that, that I don't think that they can like play that card every time they get questioned. Also, I, I don't really get that, right? So the FBI has a monopoly on what it does in terms of like policing federal law domestically, mm-hmm. right? So when, when you hear like that the FBI or the CIA or some part of the executive branch does something that you think is bad, do you, do you hold the agency accountable in your mind? Or are you just like the president, you know, this administration or just our government generally, you know, has problems? I hold the FBI accountable for any number of terrible things they seem to have done over the years. But you don't sort of tie that that blame to the administration that was in place at the time or in the la- in the prior administration leading up to that? Uh, I think federal law enforcement agencies are their own beast. I consider them pretty pretty independent of any given office holder, especially like within like a year. You can't like reform something like the FBI within a year of being in office. It's they're they have their own institutional priorities and objectives that are independent of what the president is doing. I mean, look at it now, like the FBI is like part of the Trump administration, but they're in, were investigating him, and only sure. because they it got so like fucked up that they had to like make this special counsel thing. But like everybody was like, we, the FBI should be able to do its job and investigate itself. Like if you consider them part of the administration then like they'd be investigating themselves but nobody really seemed to have a problem with that until the civilian side the political side interfered with that but there's never any thought about like the impropriety of the fbi messing with stuff right well there, there would have to be a congressional investigation you know yeah so uh but sam says he's tough nuggies we're gonna do it anyways so uh strap in because this we're I'm gonna free this guy from the grave. I thought it was pretty brutal when he told that guy just straight up tough nuggies, <laughs> tough nugs, bruh. And then he literally gave him a nuggie. Yeah. Next is CJ and the OCSE, the Organization for Cartography Social Equality, or something like that. Josh really wants to see this too, so he comes and sits next to CJ. They have some extremely valid points about the Mercator projection being uh kind of wrong in a lot of ways but it's it accents certain things that are no longer super useful for us as a like we don't really care about like seafaring routes so much i care a lot about that but so i i actually like read about this very recently and it seems that the mercator is not just good for like seafaring routes but it's good for all directions like because the lines are like you can make 90 degree angles so like that's why google maps would use it because you can route a path easily on mm. it yeah so i don't understand that are there not lefts and rights under the peters projection well because if everything is like the lines are not like a straight basically so that yeah they see 
the problem with all this stuff, so they suggest using this other projection called the Peters projection. And um, the Peters projection is a cylindrical equal area projection. So what that means is if you imagine at the like cross section of latitude and longitude, if you imagine putting a circle there, the things will have equal areas. So this is the example they use of like Greenland is actually smaller on the Peters projection than like Africa, which is, it is much smaller than Mercator projection. It's the inverse. So like Greenland is gigantic, but it's actually not very big. So if you imagine like circles at all the intersection points, like it towards the equator, the circles will actually be circles, but as they get farther up, they start getting compressed and like stretching out sideways. So the problem with this Peters projection is that it distorts shapes, like everything's super wide at the top. Because if you think about like a globe, so take an orange and peel it, like right. slice it, and then take all the peels and then put them. You can't lay them in a rectangle because yeah. they're not a rectangle. It's like it came off of a sphere. Right. Supposedly it came off of a sphere. I mean, I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs> Flat Earth, but so flat citrus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You ever, have you ever actually seen a uh, orange? It's not around. The. Mercator projection is not great. The Peters projection has its own problems, but it's good if you if you really care about area. And I think the there's a insanely great little moment with CJ where he's like, uh, if, by having things be relative sizes is how people equate importance. So people associate big things with importance and quality or something like that. <laughs> and Josh looks at CJ and, and he's like, like he, yeah. he's like, <laughs> really, he has this questioning look on his face, and she's like. Yeah, sorry, buddy. It's true. Yeah. And he's it's like, true. You are small and weak. <laughs> it's so funny, and it's like it's, it's so subtle, but it's great. Here's my solution. They want to go. They're like, oh, this map has problems. Let's go to this other map that has problems and use that instead because we prefer the problems. Why not just use the right map? Right. Well, the whole thing the, is that they all like, show different yeah, things. Yeah, all. Te- that's teach, why there's different maps. Teach how maps work. Right. And show like, oh, teach here's the one controversy. Here's one way of showing it. Here's another way of showing it. Here's right. another also, way of showing it. Can I just all... also say, get a globe? Yeah, get a globe. Get yourself get a, globe. a globe. And then get globe head. Get globe a touchpad with head. Google Earth on it. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that yeah, like I, I mean, in geography, you usually learn about the different types of maps, and there's like, you know, climate maps and topographical maps, and then there's different projections, and they all have different purposes because that's why they exist. Mm-hmm. So the Mercator just happens to be the best for directions, which is what people usually use maps for. And it's aesthetically pleasing because yeah. it makes America look big. Yeah, what's yeah, up? America. I, I have one. USA. I have a map on the wall over there that I really love. It's is a, that Mercator, baby? It is a Mercator projection. Nice. It's from like the fifties. But the great thing about it is you always see a map and then it's the western hemisphere is the left side of the map and the eastern hemisphere is the right side of the map. So the yeah, center I'm of the map is the Atlantic that. and it like says like, oh, here's the left, here's the right. This map puts the United States dead fucking center and it cuts Russia in half and it's from like the uh, 50s and I'm yeah. sure that's like a psychological like, oh yeah, Russia's not Propaganda. so big. Yeah, it's like splitting apart the well, I mean, like the s- scale of Russia, so you can't really <laughs> process how big it is. Th- that's that's so also funny. just crazy because like the prime, the reason the center of the map is where it is because that's the prime meridian. Sure, that makes it makes so, total sense. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, what argument can you possibly make for not using the prime meridian at the center of the map? My U-S-A. favorite map hey, is U-S-A. one of the uh, Pangea. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. when other continents were the OG so, planet. So, I, yeah. if we have to go with one map, map, I'm gonna suggest this one that I found. Uh, looking this? at map, it is a Lambert cylindrical equal area projection, which is what a um, 
Peter's projection is, but this Peters, one has yeah. an oblique orientation. I'm a Peter's mm. man. And it looks oh. like this. Yeah. And it's all like wavy and Bleak. crazy. Yeah, this looks what like is that? there's just like all the lines. It's where are you've one been living this entire time. <laughs> it's where you've been living this whole time. Yeah. It looks like this is not right, guys. This is all wrong. I know you can't see it, but it's between fake. like that it goes it's fake. It's like a wormhole that goes yeah. into Antarctica and then comes out between North America and Asia. Yeah. It's, this um, is some flat earth shit. It kind of looks like here. the um, the SpongeBob <laughs> uppercase lowercase meme image oh, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Can I just like shout out? But to it looks the, it's uh, very aesthetically pleasing. I think the actor that is like running this presentation. Yeah, he's good. He's real good. He makes this scene way more interesting through his delivery. My, than yeah. otherwise oh, would have been. oh dear, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yes. Uh, look at Greenland. Okay. Now look at Africa. Okay. The two land masses appear to be roughly the same size. Yes. Would it blow your mind if I told you that Africa is in reality 14 times larger? Yes. My favorite um, thing about this also is that every big buck of cheese day, it seems CJ gets super interested in whatever her yeah. assignment is. She's, she's a like sucker. naysaying the day at first, and then she's just like mind blown gift but like. josh is not into it he's yawning i think he's there like, to because he seems to know that cj is going to be into it well he and, thinks he's going to get a laugh at right, the thing right. but then when they start making like valid points yeah. he's like i don't have time for this i gotta right. get out of here <laughs> and cj just called my dick small <laughs> that's early when he leaves okay, yeah. I, I thought i read that as as josh is smaller than cj physically yeah. Oh, he's a small but man. I, I thought I think that you was could, a dick thing. It's equally valid to interpret it the other way. Yeah, like, if not more so. Yeah, because why would he? But go he's to... just not a tall. Man. Well, he's not a big man. But no. CJ's not like CJ is as tall. She's not like a big lady. She's a slender lady. So... Right, but we're talking about him. He's. But he well, goes to CJ for validation. We're on talking the point. about like yeah. overall size here. Yeah, I see. I you see know. What yeah, I think her overalls length are bigger. and width. She was a bigger overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next scene, Toby and the protesters and uh, Officer Rhonda want some explanation. Since you're not really doing anything right now, I was wondering, what's this all about? Why don't you uh, drop talk, some exposition talk, in my Yeah, life. talk for two minutes at me. Um, and the other thing Toby like points out at the protesters, and he's like, But here in the blackest city in America, I'm looking at a room with no black faces, no Asians, no Hispanics. Where the hell's the third world they claim to represent? A lot of third worlders in the cabinet room today, were there? Which I had like paused and like wrote down that point of like, what about the senior staff? And then the character in the show says it. And I always love when they do that. <laughs> it shows that the show is not completely like up its own ass. I also like that <laughs> Toby is like very bright and he is just being so easily baited by this police officer the entire episode. <laughs> like he just, every time she's like pushing his buttons in like the simplest way, he just gives into it. He's like, okay, I'll tell, I'll give you my argument. Or he like, likes her. He yeah. does. It reminds him of home. Aww. They have a thing. They're, they're a couple now. They're, they're married. <laughs> they're an item. Yeah. <laughs> For this episode, they're an item. Sorry, Andy. Aww. Step down. Andy's 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 a bit better catch. Just a bit. <laughs> Andy's great. She doesn't have a nightstick. Yeah, mm. Officer Ross. Or a gun, probably. Right. Next scene is Sam and Charlie, and they just have a, a quick chat. Sam tries to go into Toby's office to take another couch nap in the middle of the day. Because <laughs> no Toby, Toby's not using his office right now. And 
he gets called into the principal's office. Uh, the NSA, Nancy Malley, wants mm-hmm. to come talk to him because at the end of the FBI scene, Sam leaves and the guy picks up the phone and presumably that got bubbled up to her. Um, oh, so I, I forgot to mention with the FBI scene, I thought it was a cool detail that he goes to the person's secretary and is like, hey, I'm here to see so-and-so. I have an oh, appointment. And she's she... like, I have no record of Off that. The books. And he's like, psst, 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 come here. Yeah. That's good. That's cool. So I just, I feel, I feel for Sam right here. Cause he's like, I had a long day. I just found out some terrible shit about my dad. I got to take a nap. And they're like, nope, mm-hmm. you got a very important meeting right now <laughs> that you have to go to. Like that's the worst thing that You're can happen. In trouble. That's what this meeting is. But the she's nice. Oh, she's so nice. Yeah, she's so, a nice. She's the nice NSA. I love but I'm Nancy. wondering, does the NSA oversee the NSA? Because uh, she has NSA files, right? Um, she has clearance for it at the very least. She, yeah, okay, yeah. But I that's mean, a she, weird coincidence, right? Well, there is the National Security Advisor does not actually. The, the National Security Advisor doesn't have a lot of like direct control. They're just the primary advisor to the president. Right, they're for not matters. an agency head. Right, no. there is a director of the NSA or, or the DNI, I guess, is the one in charge of the NSA. Oh yeah. Um, but the that guy and so I, I was reading about this recently. Like the people are really freaked out that like basically there's like this whole concept of like civilian control over the intelligence agencies mm-hmm. and the military. So. Traditionally, the Secretary of Defense, the White House Chief of Staff, and the NSA are all civilian because those are kind of like the control points for civilian control. So, like the the Chief of Staff sits above like the mm-hmm. all the executive branch staffing people. Um, the NSA is the primary advisor to give the president advice and like options about what to do about security matters which obviously brings in the military and that and the the head of the DOD obviously is has a lot of control over the army. Those are all military officers now nice. in the Trump administration. Nice. Very nice. Which is like That's cool. Got a lot of people kind of freaked out at the moment. That's good. It's good. But yeah, I think the NSA is not uh explicitly in charge, but they have a lot of sway over the NSA and they would obviously yeah. have access they have, to the they files. They have access. Yeah. So she says, Sam, you got to drop this Galt thing. Um, he is pretty rude to her. He's like, he outlines the kind of his thesis thing of like, they had a bad witness. Um, the person was a, in, went into an institution. This is back when they institutionalized like 75% of the country. So that could be used against a lot of people. Sam, Daniel Galt was a spy. Oh my God. He was a Soviet spy. Based on what? Diplomatic cables intercepted by U.S. Army signal intelligence in the 1940s. If that was the case, why couldn't the U.S. attorney make espionage in the 1950s? Because the cables weren't decrypted until the 1970s. You're telling me that we cracked some obscure Russian code and suddenly we learned Galt was a spy? Yes. That's crap. Uh, which is pretty rude to say when she's like, he was a spy, we have evidence, and he's like, I don't believe you, that's crap. Hey, you're crap. But I like that she was prepared yeah. for him not to believe she's her. She's got receipts. Yeah. I mean, technically, she works for Leo. Sure. So it's like, it's like on the one, it's not like he's speaking that way to like a you know a 17 star general or something well yeah she's civilian yeah yeah like she'd be a little looser i also thought at the beginning of the scene um she's like on a conference call and it's such a good moment where she keeps having to say it's me like nancy again and then 
she t- tells Sam she's like, I'm the only woman on this call, and they keep like not knowing who's talking. That's a power move. She's yeah. like, oh, I'm just conferencing about uh, force, use of force. Yeah. Force deplete. No. For, uh, Nancy is such force a protection. badass. Force protection yeah. versus readiness or something. Readiness, yeah. I, I don't understand But it also does a really subtle and good job of like kind of elaborating on her role a little more because what she's saying is no i'm gonna need like a better reason than what you're telling me i to need to tell explain the this to the president yeah. yeah and it's sort of it's just it's very quick and but it's such a good moment i thought yeah it kind of illustrates her role yeah so the the receipts that she has are this big nsa file that has diplomatic cables that they had 20 years after the fact they finally broke the ciphers to He's extremely a spy. So it's like cut and dry if you believe what's in the cables, which she does. And after reading, Sam does too. So this weird thing where it's like, oh, but actually the government knows like and you're wrong. It's like a secret. Well, yeah, because they don't want to give up that they know the code. So they they decide to use that. I mean, I get the reasoning, but it's weird. This the, the message it's like trust trust your betters yeah the government knows like he had written this you know passionate thesis but you know he was wrong because actually the government was right as they always are no but the but that's not entirely the the message the message is like before the government actually had this evidence they went after this guy and then got the evidence no that's not the message they were just lucky no, that they happened the to be right. They definitely kind of breeze over that a bit that they convicted this guy without proper evidence. Well, they didn't convict him of that, though. They convicted him right. of perjury. That's why they, could, they couldn't they could get a longer sentence, but he ended up dying in prison yeah. anyways on the, the shorter sentence. But it seems like they maybe were trying to convict him strongly without enough evidence yeah. to do it. Anyway, as soon as he sees those files... Cue the Henley... Everything it changed. This is the orchestral version. Snuffy Walden knocking out his own Eagles cover. <laughs> Wait, but no, the Eagles this is covered Don Henley's song. Well, he's I read on Wikipedia. Sure, but he, I mean, he's he's half of the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that like one wing? Yeah, he's he's a, he's a he's a primary wing. He's the head. The he's the beak of the Eagles. <laughs> And uh, the other guy's the heart, the guy that died last year. There's another scene with CJ and the map maker people. And Josh mentions one thing. They find Brigadoon, you'll tell me, right? And so let's, What's that? Let's Brigadoon. What is that? Brigadoon is from a... I feel like this is the fake you, you, show from the Big Lebowski. You, you want to guess what Brigadoon in? is, Jason? I think you could probably guess. I have no idea. <laughs> it is. Um, it's a musical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard uh, this. With book and lyrics by... Alan J. Lerner and music by Frederick Lowe. Um, it's about a mysterious Scottish village that appears for only one day out of every hundred years. Tommy, one of the tourists, falls in love with Fiona, a young woman from Brigadoon. I was going to yeah. guess that. But I thought yeah, you seem to default to everything's a weird musical reference on yeah. the show. <laughs> Which... So odd that the West Wing is referencing an old timey musical. This is also the plot of that TV show Out- Outlander, a little bit. Brigadoon. No, but like it's a mis- mythical, like mysterious old village. It only that, shows up every once in a while. Yeah, that appears like once in a whatever. Well, it's like when you go to Stonehenge after the day after Halloween on, a, on like a like a full moon yeah. yeah 
And then this woman gets stuck there and falls in love it with someone. It seems difficult for trade. I'm trying to think through the logistics <laughs> of how the city operates. Yeah. They're very self-sufficient. Yeah. Well, they could be hunter-gatherers, sort of. Can you... <laughs> Man, catching up on 100 years of news at a time. So, like, they went in in 1918 and, like, there's rumb- rumblings of war. <laughs> it's like, oh, that probably passed over. Let's pop back out. We're still what? at war. <laughs> no, we're still at war. Cool. Yeah, we're on the anniversary of the Hiroshima bombing today. They do uh, the thing in real in life a... right now. Um, so like they they got caught up on that. They found out about the Holocaust just yeah. now. Like they they got a lot of stuff to process. Donald Trump is president. <laughs> they got to find out who that fucker Ooh, is. That's rough. Yeah, the it's son like... of that guy who owned all those Brooklyn buildings. <laughs> It's like that that movie Fifty First Dates with the girl with the memory loss. They just play a video like every day. They, well, yeah, I guess <laughs> so they have good things too. They finally get to watch Fifty First Dates. Yeah, they get to do that, and then <laughs> they, they get to come, find out about movies in general, right? <laughs> and then they come up with a a way to they like assign someone to make them a video to watch when they <laughs> when they reappear every hundred years. I yeah, wonder an if explainer. Are, do you think yeah. there are like YouTube videos that are like catching up on the last hundred years of history videos? Sure. There must be. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the and that's the end of the plot line for the map makers. I like that. I like pre- thinking about map projections and stuff. And I think <laughs> yeah. they did a good explanation of it. <laughs> they did. Um, other than they had the wrong policy prescription, but uh, I'll, I'll yeah, they wanted to that. put it upside down. Oh, they wanted to put it upside they down. They wanted at to the flip end. the map. Well, that's that dumb too. Silly. But I think I think the whole that thing about silly. just settling on one projection is the north. A, I think seems to would go in the north. No, but why? Why is up north and down? Because north south. is called north. That's. But we've been conditioned to think that. That's <laughs> Europhallocentric. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so there's after that is Toby and his police officer friend. This is where he he's outside and he's uh, complaining about things. He calls him. He says they're having a protester vacation. It's activist vacation is what it is. Spring break for anarchist wannabes. This is where they explain how they write all their arguments on the West Wing. <laughs> like Toby gives the three point. What is cheaper? Clothes are cheaper, steel is cheaper, cars are cheaper. Phone service is cheaper. You feel me building rhythm here? That's because I'm a speechwriter and I know how to make a point. Toby. It lowers prices, it raises income. You see what I did with lowers and raises there? Yes. It's called the science of listener attention. We did repetition, we did floating opposites, and now you end with the one that's not like the others. Ready? Free trade stops wars. <laughs> and that's it. Free trade stops wars. And we figure out a way to fix the rest. But it's like this is actually how every like big sort of Keith Oberman moment happens on the West Wing is this sort of speech. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's the science of listener attention. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like totally made up. Yeah. It's like the science of seduction or something <laughs> like that. It's like it's not really a science, bro. <laughs> it's like you, you put, you put a some fancy, air quotes around You put a fancy name that. on like rhyming. <laughs> It's great. She's like, oh, if only somebody could tell them about this. Like, if only somebody who was skilled in communications. Josh comes up. We don't get to see it, but supposedly he's going to school them on how a a real protester does it and talk about why they're wrong. And I'm sure they're going to be totally receptive to that argument and walk out of that room (laughs) neoliberals and pro-WTO, which seems to be how it ends up playing at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's like we don't see anything really happened but it's like it worked yeah we won <laughs> yeah. it was good 
they're they're all, they're all signing up for Bartlett. But it's uh, that great two thousand two now. Yeah, they're gonna let everyone's gonna let Bartlett be Bartlett again. It's like they do the thing they do in, in the West Wing where they talk about how great a speech was without actually writing the speech. Sometimes it seems a lot easier. I would do it that way too. The president in the Oval Office is after that, so they're still trying to find a library site. They have a couple options. One's an Indian burial ground. The other one's also an Indian burial ground. <laughs> Can't they they please everybody. people everywhere, yeah. The other one they want is a guy who is in prison for securities fraud, and he wants to like basically bribe the president with some land to get out of prison, it sounds like. Leo picks up on a like subtle thing where he makes it sound like maybe he won't run, so he's still processing the deal he had with his wife, and Leo asks if he should worry about it, and he says, no, I, I'll, not yet. Not yet. Nothing to, nothing to worry about, so... They leave it at that. I think that's the end of the library plot line, too. After that is Sam doing some sugar tossing down in the basement. Then I came down here to practice my sugar tossing. Because if you don't practice, then you might as well give the clarinet to a kid who will use it. I'm surprised they were able to put that on broadcast television. (laughs) He looks extremely into it. He is focused on his sugar tossing. And, and he's good. He nails everyone. I've never heard of this game before. Have you guys? Sugar toss. Sugar toss. Sugar toss. Is this the like corn, like miniature cornhole? Yeah, that is. It's like Angry Birds. Right. <laughs> it's like Angry Birds. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you like fling something with the right amount of force. It's like basketball, kind of. He's like shooting free throws, basically. With well, uh, basketball is a lot like Angry Birds. But he's it, throwing throwing sugar packets into a pot. I think cornhole is the most. It's pretty the closest close to thing cornhole. because it's like tiny sandbags or yeah. bean bags, but teeny ones like sugar. Oh, I see. You know, but yeah. he's just swishing them though. He doesn't have like a board that he's sliding them up or anything. Okay. Oh yeah, I guess you could slide them on. You cornhole. could slide them. Yeah, hmm. I never really thought about that. Desktop yeah. cornhole. That seems like a fun like office game. <laughs> It does. There's definitely a startup out there that has that. I feel like I would call it glory hole. <laughs> corn cobbin. Corn cobbin. Is that what the kids are calling something <laughs> these days? Well, online they are. Yes, yes, no. If you don't denounce this corn cob nonsense, you're out of the Democratic primary, according to Nira Tandon. She, she has no time for you if you use the word corn cob to make fun of somebody because you're referencing a drill tweet. Like, how do you talk about Twitter to normal people? I, I don't like. I don't I'm get so many levels down. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you right know now? who Nira Tandon is? Okay, so no. Drill is the er poet of Twitter. Uh huh. Okay, Nira, some other lady. She's a Clintonite. So Dr- Drill had a tweet like four years ago that says, "I'm not owned. I'm not owned." In quotes, he said as he slowly shrunk into a corn cob. And it's just like a absurdist little like, oh, this is how people react when they're like feeling owned. They they say they're not owned and they like make themselves small in the process. You know, I'm explaining right. a joke, but it's not whatever. So people No, that was a helpful explanation. So people <laughs> frequently they it's use this guy's tweet. tweets to illustrate they put a screenshot of a real tweet from somebody and then they put a shot screenshot of a drill tweet next to it of like this is somebody acting earnestly and thinking they're being a normal person. And here's somebody years ago illustrating exactly how silly they look. So it's a very free, that's a very common one to use is this corn cob one. <laughs> and somebody put something like, I guess Kamala Harris, um, 
Okay, is, so Ryan Cooper wrote oh an article for the week. This is, getting cut. this is so complicated. And people are very mad about it, though. This so he, it's also very circle jerky. Yeah, so somebody compared Kamala Harris and like did that with her and like said that she's like the like leader of like the corn cob caucus or something like that for the 2020 thing. And then somebody was like Oh yeah, corn cob is a um, alt left smear against homosexuals because they're homophobic. Um, the, I the only thing I can picture is that it's that like wait, but it has ba- nothing to do with it has nothing that. to do with okay. it. And it's like I, the only thing I can think of is they're associating that like old like oh like run backwards through a cornfield no, or cor- something. A cornhole is like a butthole. Yeah, and getting cornhole corn is, is like a, a euphemism from back in the day. But that's not cornhole, <laughs> right? But it's, this is clearly <laughs> like corn right. So now, like Neera Tandon, who's down. like the president of the Center for American Progress, is like, if you make a joke about like corn cobs, she like wants you to. She literally said, like, you need to denounce this corn cob nonsense, <laughs> or I'm not going to take you seriously. Oh my god! So it's like. It's so insane. I'm like, what a wonderful takes, world we live in. How do, ha- pe- ha- I don't half an hour. How do people not know all of Drill's tweets? I don't know. I see them a lot. Yeah. I think I need to be more on Twitter. No. <laughs> I w- I'd recommend it. It's doing yes. great for my fucking personal life and yes. mental state. Yeah. Okay. So Sam's sugar tossing desktop corn cobbin on Donna comes in and. Sam is mad at Donna because he pieced together that the flattery he received was at Donna's directions. When she said that from what she's heard, I'm the one to talk to, that I have the year of the president, you told her to say that, right? Yes. I did. I'm sorry. I I don't know why you would think I was like that. Even though as soon as that... I was flattered. I did exactly. I did right. Yeah. Even though I acted I was exactly like that, exactly well, how you thought I would. So this is a really weird moment because I, I was like, it, did he realize it in the moment when he was being flattered and he was like, he went through the whole thought process of Donna put her up to this, but now I'm just gonna like go with it to be like a nice person, or was he actually flattered and then did it because he was flattered? No, I think he was second guessing himself after the. F- finding out thing and oh, he's like where did i go wrong like he went through the whole process again mm-hmm. and then realized See, what how he was manipulated i'm really just not buying this element of the story because they added in the fact that he wrote a thesis about how this guy was innocent like right. he was clearly into this idea how, yeah, before how do, you, how do you not go to donna and go amazing a guy who's high up in the white house and is involved in the decision making process on pardons wrote a thesis about how my grandfather's innocent. Why do you then have to go to him and be like, you're a very powerful person? You can just go and be like, hey man, you agreed that my grandfather was wrongly convicted. Let's do this shit. This is awesome. Right. Yeah. You would think that's like, it would be more clever to just, and more effective to just say to Sam, hey, you wrote an amazing paper about this. Can you help me now that you're in this position that you're in? Anyway, we find well, out- it worked though. Sam, well, yeah, but this the whole scene between him and Donna is like weird. Mm-hmm. Sam is very anti-treason. Yeah, so yes. he's he's he unloads on Donna and says like he was a spy. Um, Donna says you can't tell her you guys, it's gonna break her. It's gonna kill her father if he finds out. This, that is, this is very is subtle, but it's a metaphor <laughs> where for yeah. his father. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a very Freudian slip. This girl's gonna find out who her father was. Sam. He meant grandfather. Um, and then he's just like, Sam Papa? Ha- Sam has a speech about... Uh, 
a very too highfalutin speech to do interpersonally with a close friend like <laughs> the like quote lincoln editor he, like he goes off on a jag <laughs> it was high treason and it mattered a great deal this country is an idea and one that's lit the world for two centuries and treason against that idea is not just a crime against the living this ground holds the graves of people who died for it who gave what lincoln called the last full measure of devotion of fidelity and it's she's there because it's her job well she's doing a favor for a friend yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, you can't just, like, rail at someone's secretary about, like, you know. She didn't commit treason. <laughs> right. But also, no, um, I, the, I think the Lincoln thing is a tie-in, because they do mention Lincoln earlier. I don't really know a tie-in for what. But... He was a president. They're doing the president yeah. thing. They mentioned Lincoln more than once in this episode, though. But also, um, has he just broken the law by talking about classified information to Donna? Yeah, he can't reveal that. So what? Yeah, I'm just saying. Just he he mentions the curious case of Shaba Dembski, which is we haven't had a name of the week award in a while, but <laughs> goddamn Shaba Dembski is a good name. And she was like a State Department translator who was murdered because she was going to reveal Blackwater, which is the na- code name that this guy had. That's what they said, Blackwater. Yeah, yeah, that was his code. Right. Uh, and then this is like, then he he's going to go tell Stephanie and. Donna's like, no, don't do it, but he runs off. He goes into the room. Um, he looks totally ready to do some yelling, but then he decides to hold it in because she's a cutie. She's a cutie. Yeah, he, he is ready. Like... If she was not a cutie, yeah. she would have gotten a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, one and of the, not the good kind. A famous Sam Seaborn scolding. So the part about How this... dare you have a grandfather <laughs> who was just reasoning? The part about this that bothers me is that she, he said, you know, I'll look into it in another three months. And she's like, good, that's all I needed to hear. And it's like, if that's all you needed to hear, just lie to your dad and say that. Yeah. It was a thing I mentioned with CJ a while back, too, where she was talking to Danny and she like mentions some like extremely like Googleable thing, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh yeah, but uh, nothing. And she's like, do you know who Shabadimsky is? <laughs> and like, she's like, no. And then he decides not to tell her, but like, she's just gonna go home and be like, right. Shaba, who Dembski. is Shabadimsky? Yeah. She's gonna find all this stuff out anyways because he let it slip. Like, wh- who this like very? I think we're odd overestimating the state of the internet in 2000. Maybe. <laughs> Did Jeeves know who Shabadensky was? <laughs> Maybe she just like blanked out that part of it because she was so excited about what she heard afterwards or something. But like, I feel like he gave the, the game up a little there. So she goes away happy. She, her father can get some good news about it. Like, oh, they're really thinking about it. They want to do it, but uh, just not yet. Donna and says, it, Sam's the man. Sam is the man. But you know what Sam is? He's capital T, capital M, the Man. Yeah. I think he's like, dumb man. No, well, that's what she says it as. <laughs> yeah. But if you could see it from another way also. Yeah. The man. So Donna and Sam have a share a big hug um, that goes on for a little too long. They have a conversation in a hug. There's like some smelling So there's on. the yeah. really funny thing where... Wait, hold on. Isn't there... There's always smelling in a hug. Oh. Like sort of a deep inhale. Like I a, always do smelling like a, in a hook, right? You know, I thought that, that was concentration. Are you smelling? You wouldn't say hook with smelling. The That's air how around it is. Them? You smell as close to the in the you neck. Get, yeah, you want that lady hair smell. Yeah, like you don't want your yeah. nose to touch their earlobe. Note to self: not hugging <laughs> Eric or Braden ever again. <laughs> oh my god! You guys spent anyway, a lot of money on shampoo. Saying. I'm just yeah. trying to. <laughs> get, 
<laughs> Make sure you get full use out of it. Ain't gonna smell thank, itself. You know what? That's really kind. Again, thank you on behalf of all women. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped shampooing because I'm a gorilla mindset kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really stop shampooing? No, I. Well, Jason told me a while ago that I should only use conditioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I no, basically do that. This is a very hot. I. It's, you said once a week shampoo. Yeah, maybe twice. It depends. If also, if you're like in the summer, you gotta do it more. I mean, your hair okay. looks great. Thanks. It's whatever you're doing. It's getting big. It's getting long, but it's like nice. It gets very tall if I want it to. It's very like silky looking. Yeah. Nice. Now Whoa. my hair is. Now do my hair. It, it's it's like six inches That's tall. That's like yeah. Like the Bernie Sanders. Well, I'm, I'm trying to go right for now. I'm trying to go for the cover of Eraserhead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the look I'm going for. Yeah, yeah. it's good. That's funny. It's I'm good. trying to go for a David Lynch. Nice. He's got a good haircut. He does. During the hug, there's a. A nice little tie-in that brings all the plot lines together where he's like, there's just some things you're sure about, like longitude and latitude. So funny and coincidental that he would say that. Yeah, and Donna's like, <laughs> uh, don't talk to CJ because you might not be so sure about those anymore. And but I thought also, that was really great. It was just, a, it, I, it made I, them tie in. I, yeah, I don't want to be a dick, but it's, it's cute. That Here wasn't the part dick. of the, the argument. It was not, no. Yeah. But enough <laughs> close enough i'm just yeah. saying i was paying attention close and i thought that joke but you also fit. know like donna's hearing the map arguments like third hand from yeah. josh so and that doesn't he... seem like the kind of thing cj would convey particularly accurately no. yeah she's yeah. like longitude lines you have no idea where those things are anymore right <laughs> like, that's all she and josh say. doesn't care well based on the map that you showed us eric Longitude oh yeah, that one's really not long. where we thought they were. <laughs> one minute it's like you know the longitude and latitude, and then the next minute, dude, if everything we, can change. If we flip the hemispheres, would the South have won the Civil War? <gasps> Damn, Ooh. revisionist history. So, yeah. the map makers are pro-slavery. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Damn. Peter's projection. What a no. Dark initiative. To that, Josh and Toby come in. Toby did good at the thing. They're all happy about it. Um, you should have seen him, Josh says. <laughs> and they're, it's Friday night. They're feeling all right. They're going to... Toby and I are going to get Sam drunk and then put him to bed. I'll come. Let's go. Go get Sam drunk and put him in bed. Um, that seems like not a good way to deal with your very serious emotional problems. Yeah, long end of a long week. Go hang I out with your co- I sex. When the, the wait, go get him drunk and put him in bed. And Donna's like, I'll, "I'll come along." Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I think that means that Im- clearly implies they're going to do sex Let's on. Let's go him. get some hot pizzas. You think they're going to get him sex? Toby and and Josh are going to like gangbang Sam. Well, I mean, I mean in a New York minute, <laughs> <laughs> everything could change. But Sam is going to. Catch up with him later because he's going to call his dad first. And as he's picking up the phone, we hear that sweet ooh. And he says background. again, Papa. Papa. <laughs> and, the, and then the credits start. So I, and they're playing the song, which they must have spent a. This is the ten, whole budget for the episode. $50,000 probably or more on the licensing of this song to like play it three, three or four times. Don Henley is like a big deal too, especially at the time. I thought. You know, we got the rights to this song. We play a little song over the music. Yeah. You know, we ended the thing. Yeah, so like, let's, let's do a little let's, song. Let's go out on the credits. Give us a little song, baby. Go out on the credits of this expensive song all that we right. spent all this money for. Nope, they get like two bars into it, and then it's... <laughs> Sam's like, oh, 
Well, no, no. So it's great. The compulsory licensing doesn't kick in until you're using a certain portion of the song. Oh, so you think they did like they might fair, have just cut it off at they the did, 15 seconds? They did or whatever. fair use. Yeah. So we, you're saying <laughs> I like we, that idea. we can we can use that same ending on our podcast. Totes. Well, nice. the only problem is uh, it depends on the medium. What do you mean? Like the compulsory licensing rules like for TV versus for whatever. What if my mouth version is so incredibly accurate that it triggers the content ID systems and they think yeah. it's the real version? Yeah. Uh, Don, is that you? <laughs> you? We should, I think, change the ending of our podcast to the New York Minute going into the doodaloo. I just like the sound of your mouth version. Yeah. Incredibly accurate mouth version. Uh, and that's the credits. Uh, and the, the credit shot is of the uh, Virgin Air takeoff lobby, the purple lights. Um, so that is that. Headlines. So it is Big Block of Cheese Day. So okay. obviously there's cheese. lots of cheese headlines. There's cheese headlines. There's many puns right. to be had. So I have a White House staff doing some Gouda. Gouda. How many of these are repeated from last time? I, would yeah. like somebody I feel to go like that one it probably 100% is. This is the first one I thought of. I have Toby feeling blue about cheese assignment. Cheese. Mm, that's pretty good. That mm. was new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got some new ones. Blue, but did you spell it with the EU? Yeah. Cool. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Erasing what I wrote and mm-hmm. changing it to EU. And then I have a CJ Craig... Fond Tina of Peter's projection. <laughs> she's like a. All right. I got more. But she's like someone right. else. No, go. I don't have cheese ones. So if you got them, all right. She's I'm a Fond Tina. Seaborn goes rogue for it to collect classified mm. info. All right. And um, this one's a stretch, but it was cold out, and those protesters were outside, and so was Toby. So Ziegler says to get these. Protesters, brada out of here. <laughs> What's it called? Brada, 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 brada. I like cheese. So mine yeah. were mostly the Sam plotline related, all all Russian stuff. So there was one point where she mentioned that they tried to like FISA request the file on her grandfather, and it was like twenty years later, and they still couldn't get it. So their message to the government is quit stalling. Uh, oh, nice. Good, good, good. Um, I just said, "Pardon my Russian." Right. Like, pardon oh, my French. pardon! Yeah. yeah. And then the That's one I really like. This whole episode name could have been called "Dead Red Redemption." Nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that would have been a better episode title. <laughs> yes. And then we could cut the song. I'm sorry. Doing some Gouda would have been a better title. <laughs> but it would have to be a question mark. There, in the end, there's no redemption. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, as far as she knows, though, well, there there's, is. I'd say there's redemption for the FBI. Sure. Wait, so who went to emergency? Nobody went to no. emergency no or jail. Toby to jail. talked about he can't get arrested anymore, but he so he he. Well, the guy went to jail like, but a long time ago. Sure. So there, that we have one jailbird. I was pretty disappointed. Josh got with hit the with a banana. He says so. Maybe he had to go get stitched I up. Like, yeah, his life was was threatened again. And then I um I had one that was about the library and it's called Lib L I B Rary. Just making fun of the <laughs> oh, I, had a, I had a library one, I guess. Uh Library of Congress reports colon no song ever written about DC. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there really is none. Yep. Any more? 
think we're nope. at. All right, final thoughts. I my favorite part of this episode was the maps. Yes. <laughs> I, did, I liked I the agree maps. With that. The maps was good. Yeah, and then I really that's why I like uh, the big block of cheese day because it's just like everyone gets a nerd out about something, well, and mm-hmm. it really just shows all the senior staff's inner nerds, which I love. And then I also love a good sad Sam episode. Yeah, this, this was a Sam episode. But Absolutely. emotional Sam is. This was about one of my Sam. favorite Sams. Life goes on, or yeah. at least the federal government does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the best parts about this show is when they bring up an issue and then expose you to information on maybe both sides or one side or whatever of the argument that you didn't know about before. And you're like, oh, that makes it more complicated and interesting, right? So the maps thing, they do a good job of pointing out to you things maybe you didn't think about about maps that are legitimate points, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of weird that that's the only actual thing like that, <laughs> that they give you in this episode, notwithstanding the WTO issue. That why why not talk about like that any could of that be controversy? Very interesting, yeah. And they just yeah. kind of brush so, over. Like if we it. cut out the whole Eagle song, or we could have fit in. I sort yeah. of have. A... Or that Joseph McCartney was was good. Yeah. Yeah. McCarthy, not McCartney. I ca- yeah. <laughs> I kind of have a theory that. Maybe there was more to the like uh, trade one, and they uh, cut the episode short to because fo- Sam's thing took up so much what, time. What network uh, broadcast the West Wing? Was this NBC? NBC, yeah. I think. NBC mm. Universal. NBC owned by GE, a defense contractor. <laughs> In a New York minute. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I. This one is one that feels very serious and it's that title makes it sound like oh this is a deep episode it's got yeah. it's got an eight also word long like title someone's gonna get shot again in yeah this it makes it sound like yeah this is something important it's something like you know 9-11 is gonna go down in this episode right <laughs> and it does not happen at all it's like a pretty inconsequential and i, I mean sam's like thing with his father i doesn't seem to be like a sticking point he makes up with him theoretically presumably at the end so it's actually i don't think this is actually a very good episode no. In the Agreed. end. I guess in the end the irony is that really even after that minute nothing nothing changed. Nothing changed. Nothing yeah. changed. <laughs> the wolf's still at the door. Yeah. I was wrong in saying that there's just like a ramp up at the end of these seasons. Yeah, you were wrong. Last week's was better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like we, I keep getting excited. At, Eventually like, it's going to come. There's, I there's like, good episodes at I some point. I like cheese, okay? Yeah, they need more uh more cheese. More cheese and more metaphorical cheese of More people coming in with weird metaphor. issues that this they is like have a, to present. This is like a going to sleep episode. Like a perfect example it's, of that. It is constructed well. Like that scene at the beginning with yeah. the song playing is like really well done. It looks cool and like it's moody in a way. Yeah. Like that, It looks that's like not, Molly Ringwald's about that's to That's a stupid up. song but it's not a bad song. It's not like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. a different, like it's silly but it's like it gets a vibe across. Like it sounds like something. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> you know? sounds what, like what a great critique. This sounds like something. <laughs> I mean, it's distinctive, no, no, and it could get stuck like into your head. Gonna yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It has like a well, it has a mood to yeah, it. Yeah, it does a very good job of like setting the tone completely differently than like any other mm-hmm. episode, really. And you're like, something's up, something's gonna happen. And then when you see Sam, you're like, oh. But it's like it's for this incredibly personal thing that he doesn't even want to talk about. Right. It's not like it even blows up. <laughs> like, yeah. Th- this should have been the title and intro to like the first episode of the second season yeah sure where all the violence is being dealt with yeah and they could have played the song there yeah 
Do you think Rob Lowe falls asleep to this song all the time? <laughs> I feel like he does. Rob, if you're out there, <laughs> write in, let us know. I don't think he falls asleep. Rob Lowe does not sleep. Oh, in real life. Yeah, obviously. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, so that's really all I got. So this episode's a... We love you, Rob. <laughs> this episode's a B minus. C plus. But A for mm. Rob. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's great. The acting's all good. It's all... It's, it's, it's not still, you, buddy. It's still a well-made show, but we this still is just a, kind of a stupid episode. I'm going to say it's a C because right. it's like this is average run-of-the-mill West Wing. You got a little bit of an issue. You got a little bit of like establishment being dicks about the left. It's very you got character level. shit. Yeah. But you bring it down a full grade level for the Don Henley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the Eric gave it the plus because of the Don Henley. Oh, <laughs> yeah. all right. It's an all right. All right. All, it sounds, uh, did I mention it sounds like something? It has a sound. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It makes sound. Sound waves moving in my yeah. ear when I hear it. Yeah. All right. There's like things you hear when it's on. But has anyone seen the movie New York Minute? With no. The Olsen uh, Twins? Nobody's seen that movie. Uh, <laughs> With the Olsen Twins, huh? I'm going to incriminate myself by saying yes, I've seen it. Any good? Worth watching? No. It's a horrible terrible film i wonder what its rotten tomato score is okay so thanks for listening everybody uh we'll be back soon and we're gonna play it out watching the trailer for new york minute starring mary kate and ashley olsen but uh i'll just bury y'all from that so thanks bye thanks for joining us oh it's got uh, a eugene levy and uh the osborne son see it's like they're twins and like One more administrative issue to clear up before we end. Eric, have you had a chance to watch Rick and Morty? Oh. <laughs> no, I did watch. Um, they watched last week. They watched Dial M for Murder. And we talked oh. about Hitchcock movies. And so I watched North by Northwest. Yeah. Oh. And I thought it was very. It was. I had a lot of thoughts about this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. It is extremely sexist. Sure. And just in construction, like the the plot hinges on him being like, eh, I don't give a shit, but a lady needs my help, and right. like ladies <laughs> need protecting. Like that like, is like, like literally a James the Bond movie. That is literally the plot of the movie. But it, James Bond is doing it for country. Yeah, um, he, he, he gets the he's lady, needed to get laid. The, no, the ladies are part of it, and he ends up protecting the lady tangentially because he wants to protect her. But he's gonna, sometimes yeah. he's going to do yeah. he's doing his job because he is an agent. This guy is not an agent. The whole point of the movie right. is he's not an agent. He just gets caught up in this thing. But, hold on. The, but he becomes the, one because a lady who is herself an agent and she can take care of herself mm-hmm. yeah. decides <laughs> needs his help. And so like that's his like whole reason for doing stuff. So, so with, with James Bond, his weakness is the lady because he can't solve the problem until he fucks a lady. <laughs> and oftentimes the lady he can't, he can't physically clears do his brain. It. And oftentimes yeah. the James Bond lady is an obvious agent for the enemy. Sure. And he's I, just like, like I'll take that risk. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to gamble well, on that. Well, he thinks he can like turn or use her. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so, so I, I, thought, I thought that was a little problematic. But sure. in direction, it's amazing. Like yeah. it's made so well. Um, but it is funny seeing because it's an action movie, but it is the, the slowest yeah. action movie. Like the big thing at the at the end is like they're climbing down the face of Mount Rushmore. Yeah. And the score is like up. It's so dramatic and exciting. And like they show these shots and it's like people like slowly like taking a step down a foot and it's like and it's like just people like slowly climbing down a rock face like very gingerly. There's there's never a point 
Except for the very end where somebody's like (laughs) hanging on by a hand. Nobody jumps across a chasm and like gets caught or anything. Like that never happens. No, people have guns unholstered whilst running after other people. Yeah, that's like the most they ever do. That's very dangerous. And all the driving scenes are like bad. I don't think they, they they never even show the do, outside. Do you remember of the cars, when they tried basically. to kill a guy with a low flying propeller plane? Yeah. Oh, that scene was great. That's yeah. like the most famous scene yeah. from the movie. Yeah. But like, yeah, that one they didn't pull off particularly well from an effects perspective either. I don't know, uh, yeah. but it was a it was I liked it. Yeah, yeah. And they're it was right that, for what they had. Gregory to work Peck with. or whatever is very charming, and I, that, and Martin Landau's awesome in it. He's the sure. best part of the entire movie. I thought that is true. The first like half hour of that movie is great. Like the initial mix up, and then it turns into standard action movie. So yeah. Did you watch any other movies? Have I watched any other movies in the last week? Yes, I watched. Um, I watched half of The Founder last night. How was that? I have that. It's on Netflix. Up. Yeah. Um, it was great. Good so far. I didn't finish it. I started really late. Um, but it's got Michael Keaton in it. Oh no way! <laughs> Which is he's the best. Yeah, he he's is the founder. Best. Oh, we saw a great film the other day. Oh god! Oh, god. At the movie theater. Oh, in the dark. <laughs> Not, yeah, we saw the uh, the Dark no. Tower. Cool stuff for uh, fans, old and young alike. It is. It is a cool stuff out there. A neat. Uh, it is a knowing slinging and knowing oh, an yeah. intentional yeah. slap in the face to both people that have read the book and people that have not. It is so cynical, and it would be. It's like it's like if you took. I'm trying to think of a really. Oh oh my god! I, look, this is the perfect example. Do you remember how they made a movie recently called The Sorcerer's Apprentice? It was the a J- live action movie Birishal with Nicolas Cage. And Jay B- J- Birishal yeah. yes. Mickey Mouse. And then when you <laughs> see it, it has uh, no bearing whatsoever. It's just a mediocre, bad, huh. silly, action-y, che- cheesy, this, childish this, this, this movie. The, the and then they're like, oh, there's so many fans of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, though, that if we name it that, I bet you we'll put Did some butts in the seats. Did they use the song? No. No. From Fantasia? No. no. How do you of course not. Use not. The song? Okay. It, has, it has nothing to do with it. Does he? Does he even start? Do you even? There are no mul- brooms broom or mops. Multiply, bro. There's no clean. No. There's there's no. some cleaning. Was I there? Thought, I thought there was like some mild oh, yeah, he go, cleaning. It's like yeah, clean this shit up for me. <laughs> yeah. And he's like crying or yeah. something. <laughs> Just some like light cleaning. But no, but that's, that's exactly what this is. It's like a garbagey movie, and then they're like, if we call it this thing, then we'll be able to at least make some money off of this. Anyway, cool film out there. Check it out, folks. Uh, we all liked it. We recommend on it. Tomatoes. Yeah, first movie ever to get that. Braden guarantees a refund on your ticket <laughs> if you don't like it. Cool stuff uh, in the uh, in the movie there. 